0: This is the Flying Field Podcast. The Flying Field Podcast is a service of rcplaneviews.com and the Flying Field blog. This is episode 116. More gadgets! This episode was produced the week of November 26th, 2012. Hello modelers and welcome to this edition of the Flying Field Podcast. I'm Jim Mohan. The title of this episode is More Gadgets. If you listened to the last episode of the Flying Field Podcast, you'll know we spent some time talking about the things that you either have or will likely need to have in your field box. Most of the items we discussed were tools, but also we discussed a number of gadgets. Among them were a Wattmeter, the Battery Medic, and the EOS Battery Sentry. Since we're coming up on the gift-giving season, I'm going to spend a little more time on gadgets for your field box again this episode. This time, however, the gadgets are less about the toolbox and more about enhancing your flying experience. Let's get started. The folks at Winged Shadow Systems are great in the gadget department. Two that I'm particularly fond of are the combo set of the How High Altimeter and See How display and the new Sky Limit Altitude Limiter. Let's take a look at the How High Altimeter first. This little circuit board and LED is a pretty cool device. The How High gets its power either from an open channel on your receiver or from an optional little battery holder you can order separately. Operation is pretty simple. To measure the max altitude attained during your flight, simply fly. That's pretty much it. If you have it plugged in when you power up your receiver, the altimeter is also turned on. The altimeter can be mounted with double-stick tape or Velcro if you plan to move it from plane to plane. Newer versions of the How High altimeter than mine are now available with the LED on the end of either long or short leads. This allows you to bend the leads 90 degrees from the board to stick it through the side of your airplane or just mount the How High perpendicular to the side of the aircraft. I use mine primarily with foam airplanes so I can keep the LED leads straight and just stick the LED out where the canopy or other hatch covers the receiver. Once down after the flight, the LED will blink a series of flashes indicating the altitude. For example, a series of three flashes followed by six flashes followed by four flashes would indicate an altitude of 364 feet. Pretty simple. On my older model, I found triggering the flash sequence and counting the flashes was a bit of a pain, though the new models have made that a bunch easier. To ease the display problem, I purchased the SeeHow device, which displays the altitude without having to count the flashes. The SeeHow is a small key fob device that allows you to easily transfer data from the altimeter. Simply insert the LED from the How High altimeter and press the capture button. The display will indicate the data is transferring and in a moment the altitude will display on the small LCD screen. The see-how can also be used to read airspeed from the how-fast airspeed system, also from wing shadow systems. The field I fly at has a hard 400-foot altitude restriction due to a nearby airport. The how-high allows me to get a picture of what my airplane looks like at or near 400 feet. When away from the field, the how-high allows me to know how high my sailplane has gotten when I'm not worried about a ceiling. The other neat gadget from Wing Shadow Systems is their new Skylimit altitude limiter. I've got the Skylimit on my Christmas list this year. I've played with a friend's Skylimit equipped airplane and it's a very handy tool to have when flying in an altitude restricted location. The Skylimit comes in two parts. The first part is a small circuit board that mounts in the model. There are three wires attached to the board. In normal use one goes to the throttle channel One goes to the ESC lead, or throttle servo, and one goes to the programmer module. When the model approaches the set altitude, the sky limit drives the throttle to the selected setting, resulting in an obvious power loss, indicating the desired altitude has been reached. The power is kept at a reduced level until the aircraft descends below the specified limit and the throttle stick is brought to idle. Then, all works normally again. The sky limit will also compute a zoom factor, cutting the throttle when it senses the model's vertical velocity will exceed the desired altitude during the zoom. My friend and I tested this function and found the motor cut off before the desired altitude as advertised, but we still exceeded the desired altitude by a little bit. The programmer provides a setting to fine tune the zoom for your particular airplane. Since we were moving the sky limit from plane to plane, that didn't seem to be worth the effort. The programmer will confirm your max altitude after landing. The other big use for the sky limit is for soaring contests. You can set the motor to go off at a particular altitude or after a certain amount of time from launch. Specialty applications are limited by your creativity. For example, you could set either a timer or an altitude limit and connect the sky limit to a channel where the streamer or parachute is mounted. Once the servo holding the object pulls back, the object will fall away. After using the sky limit a couple of times I've been able to calibrate the old eyeballs to the 400-foot ceiling. I've also noticed the number of folks at my site who believe they are below 400 feet but really aren't. For under 60 bucks it's a steal. The airborne modules are $40 each if you want to equip several airplanes. The next gadget on the agenda is not so much a particular gadget as it is a class of gadgets. What I'm talking about are micro video cameras that you can mount on your model to give you the airborne view of your flight. One of the first ones out there was the Flycam 1 from Horizon Hobby. I got one of those early versions and was pleased with the results. Since that time, upgrades to sensor technologies have left my early version in the dust. Current versions, while about twice the cost of my early Flycam 1, come with high def sensors to record in a widescreen format you get to choose the SD card size you want. The 720p HD format produces nice images for your post-production software. One of the items in this category that is very popular due to its small size and low, low cost are keychain video cameras. These little guys are about the size of your car's key fob. They are advertised for use as spy gear, allowing you inconspicuous recording in a variety of settings but are perfect for RC. There are a bunch of videos on YouTube taken from these little cameras as well as being within the various message threads on RC groups. A quick internet search found what looks to be the same item on sale anywhere from six to about fifty dollars, although there are some version differences that you'll likely want to be aware of. Whether using something like the Flycam 1 or a FOB camera, positioning is an important consideration. I used my Flycam 1 on a multiplex twin star 2. I purchased an extra canopy and hollowed out a spot for the camera and added some bamboo skewers to act as stubs for rubber bands that I used to secure the camera. Without a propeller in the way the videos were nice. With a plane with a prop in the nose you may want to consider mounting the camera so it doesn't have to shoot through the propeller. Props tend to turn into stripes in the image and obscure the view. Some of the views I've seen include motor mounts on the wings, on the horizontal stabilizers and even on the belly. Those showed very cool views of the landing gear retracting and extending as well as the touchdown. Both Macs and PCs come with some solid video editing tools. As a PC guy, I've used Windows Movie Maker with good outcomes. One of the features that it has that I like is the ability to flip the image. That means if the camera is mounted upside down, you'll be able to flip the image to show it right side up. Next on the list of cool gadgets are GPS devices, often marketed as photography tools allowing you to geotag your photos. These little devices can fit easily into most models and record the position and speed of your model throughout the flight. With the accompanying software, you can map the flight on a Google Earth image, as well as chart the altitude and speed at the various waypoints along the way. These devices are an easy way to get speed checks for your models, and since they are just Velcroed in the model, they can be easily moved from plane to plane. One of the fun things we've done from time to time is to put one on a model and then do some high-speed passes next to the runway and have folks guess the speed. When the airplane lands we plug the device into a laptop computer and chart the flight. It's usually worth a few laughs as we see how close or how far off we were. One of the guy's little electric racers was clocked at about 225 miles per hour. The one I have is the I Got You GT120. It charges on a USB cable with a custom connector on the GT120 side and can record thousands of waypoints. It also comes with its own software interface. The GT120's main purpose is to add geotagging to your photos. To do this, the camera's clock and the GT120's are set the same. Then, after the trip or day shooting, you use the included at-trip software to embed the GPS data into the image. You may want to read up on some of the security issues associated with geotagging photos you post online. You can lead the bad guys right to yourself, enough said. In my last outing to the field, I used the GT120 and pressed the single control button to turn it on and set it down to find the satellite while I was connecting the battery to my DynaM T28. With the red and blue lights blinking, I put the I got you GT120 into the fuselage near the battery and went to fly. Later, when I got home, I opened the sports analyzer software component and connected the unit to the PC. The wizard led me through the data download. When I selected the data set in the software, I got a neat display that included the downloaded photo from Google Earth of the flying field area and the ground tracks of my flight around the area. Below the photo was a graph that showed my altitude and airspeed throughout the flight. The first waypoint had a ground level on it, so it was an easy math quiz to subtract the elevation from the airborne elevations to get the actual altitude. My little T-28 is not a speed demon, and the graph showed my altitude varied mostly from 200 to 300 feet and the speed range between 50 and 60 miles per hour. Now for some news. As I mentioned last time, the AMA has been working on some new rules for first-person video flight, or FPV. Under the old guidelines, an FPV pilot had to have a co-pilot on the master control of a buddy box system. Those limitations have been modified. The new requirements require buddy box operations when the new FPV pilot is learning to fly his or her airplane. Once proficient, the FPV pilot is required to have an FPV spotter who is briefed on the flight profile. The spotter must maintain visual contact with the model and be able to take control from the pilot in the event of systems troubles or the impending loss of visual contact. Additionally, the requirements demand the model itself weigh no more than 15 pounds and not fly more than 70 miles per hour. Other suggestions include using GPS or other technologies allowing for an automated return to launch point autopilot control. If you're engaged in first-person video or considering it, be sure to take a look at AMA document 550. In the events category, two big RC events are right on the horizon. First is the AMA Expo in Ontario, California. The three-day event is a trade floor that is filled with dozens of vendors all willing to explain how their products can enhance your RC experience and, yes, sell it to you, too. The AMA has started publicizing the speaker roster and the associated events. You can find out more and get tickets at www.amaexpo.com. The event is held January 11th through the 13th in Ontario. Next, if you are anywhere in the southwest in January, you should be considering the Arizona Electric Festival held in Apache Junction in the Phoenix area on January 24th through 27th. Last year's weekend activities got blown out, so I'm sure there will be a lot of folks anxious to make up for the loss. Information and registration instructions are available at azelectricfestival.com. The Arizona Model Aviators Club does an absolutely first-class job at putting on this event. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Flying Field Podcast. Links to some of the products mentioned here can be found in the show notes. Look for them at www.flyingfieldblog.rcplaneviews.com. Click on the podcast category on the right side of the page. This was episode 116. Until next time, happy modeling, fly safe, and have a great holiday season.